my name is Jeremy. My wife and I came to Abundant Life in 2005. Now, I wanna let you know, at 14 years of age, I stopped going to church, and I didn't come back into a church until I was 28 years old. Now, I realize so much of that time I have wasted, but man, I'm thankful for the passion that God's given me because of that. You see, in 2005, when we showed up, I was uh, nervous. Like, I, I didn't know what to think about church people. And I want you to know, if you'd have told me then that we would be called into ministry and that I would one day be the family pastor of this church, I would not have believed you at all. I wouldn't have. It's no, no offense to you, like this is crazy. Um, now, if you would have told me not only that, I would be standing here talking to all of you at one time, I would have thought you were crazy and I would have got up and left. Come on, you know what I'm saying. So anyways, it is good to see you. And uh, I, the thing that really drew us into Abundant Life those 14 years ago is the people. They were real, they were genuine, they were loving, they were kind. And because of that, now 14 years later, man, my wife and I have grown as parents. Actually, the reason we came is because we were pregnant with our first. And, oh yeah, there's a lot of those stories. So we're pregnant with our first, and so we show up. Man, in those 14 years, we've grown as parents, we've grown as husband and wife, we've grown as followers of Jesus. And like I said, so much of that is because of several of you in this room. Like, we love the people at Abundant Life, but can I be real with you for a second? Can I say get real? Most of our people also have another side that you don't see. So, Jennifer Spears, she was our MC. She leads our women's ministry. This is by all means and appearances one of the sweetest human beings on earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 But, now hold on, because I want you to know there's another side. As a matter of fact, I'm a little bit worried Jennifer's in a cult. <laughs> Don't go get all judgmental. You may not know this about Jennifer. She is a nationally ranked CrossFitter. Woo, yeah, and if you don't know what CrossFit is, let me tell you what, it's a group of really fit, crazy people that do stuff that most of us would go, why are you doing that? And hold on, before you look at me and think I'm all judgmental, I used to own the gym she trains at, so I can speak from it. I can speak from it. So CrossFit's this thing, if you don't know, they've literally taken working out and exercising in all forms and fashions and somehow turned it into a sport. I've heard it jokingly referred to as exercise racing. So let's just sit in that for a second. Exercise racing, why would people do this? Now, I said it was a cult. They are fanatical. They have their own language. They say stuff like wad. You're like, what? It's the workout of the day. They say AMRAP. And it sounds like bad government acronyms when you hear them talk. But it's this like crazy language. And so there's like this cult altar in a CrossFit gym. If you walk into a CrossFit gym anywhere in the world, they have a thing called a whiteboard. Now this whiteboard is where the insanity comes out. Because what they do is they write the workout of the day. And it could be any kind of crazy thing from like tire flipping to running a mile to doing 100 pull-ups. I mean, it, it's, it's weird. And so they write the workout on the day and this is where normal, Jesus-loving, amazing, kind people turn insane. <laughs> because what they do is they'll find somebody they work out with. They may go like, oh, yeah, you, Mr. Robertson, we're gonna, 
you and me, we're about the same age, about the same fitness, I'm gonna compete against you. So they do this workout all crazy and then afterwards they go up and they write their name and they write the score or the time of their workout on the board. And then like, like I said, like imagine your dental hygienist, sweet and wonderful, like writing her time on the board and then being like, yeah! You're just like, wow! And so, I gotta stop making fun of CrossFitters. Like I said, I used to own the gym. All of you are competitive. The first time I ever hung out with my now in-law family, it's like 1995, I, you know, I was dating my now mother-in-law's daughter. And so I show up at the family gathering all awkward and uncomfortable. My mother-in-law looks at me and goes, you wanna play ping pong? <laughs> well, how do you answer that? So I'm like, yeah. So she hands me a paddle and like still this day, second favorite woman in the world, I love her, but she still kind of gives me that like. So she steps up, she beats me 11 to zero, twice. And just kind of stands at the ping pong table like, hey, don't go judging my family. I've watched some of you play in church league softball games. I've played cards with some of you. All of us are competitive. And I wanna talk about that because this makes me feel good. When we go to scripture right here, we see, imagine Jesus, he's got all of his closest followers. Now, just for a second, imagine the things that they saw. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him feed thousands of people with like a boy's little lunch. They saw incredible things. Yet, we are so much like them. They're like having this back conversation like, hey, who do you think's the best? Who do you think's the best? And it says it right here in Matthew 18, verses one. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now this scripture right here, this greatest, like what does it mean to be great? It's not like I wanna be okay. It's like I wanna be the best. That's what makes CrossFitters crazy. They wanna be the best version of themselves. As your family pastor, I want you to know I am competitive just like this, and I want us to have the greatest families in the world. So amen. So what I want, okay, let's just imagine this for a second. Let's imagine if we committed to having really great biblical Jesus-loving families. I want you to imagine it's 100 years from now. It's hard to work for stuff in the future, but let's imagine it's 100 years from now and there's an anthropologist, Journey Kids friends, I'm glad you're in here. I'm more comfortable because you are. Um, so an anthropologist studies how groups of people work and move and do things. So let's say it's 100 years from now an anthropologist is studying and this anthropologist is asking this question. What caused our culture to go from hateful, angry, and divided to loving and graceful and merciful and serving one another. Let's just go ahead, man, we're dreaming. Let's say this anthropologist is at a major SEC university in this state. I'm not saying it out loud. It's 100 years from now. So let's say that, okay, let's get crazy with this. Let's say this anthropologist is on the faculty. It's a professor there. And the professor's studying. And let's say this professor loves Jesus. And let's say most of the academic faculty love Jesus. Let's say the student body, the university students, there's a gospel movement going on that would blow all of our hundred year in the, in the, in the past minds. Let's imagine atheist parents 
gathered around the dinner table talking with each other, going, man, I don't want my kid to go to that SEC school because those professors there will change their mind about the world. Those professors there will convince my kid to love a God, to love people in a way that's hard to understand and to commit their life to making disciples. Could you imagine that world? Do you think Jesus doesn't want it? I know he wants it. Look around the room. Jesus took 11 guys, because one of them left the team, and some draft picks and changed the world. Abundant life, I'm talking to us right now. What if we in this room locked arms, locked hearts, and worked to change the culture that we live in? Amen. So, I wanna tell you guys right now, I am the family pastor and I'm coming at you, but I, I wanna point out the fact, I've got a message I feel like from God that's for all of you. And so Journey Kids, I'm talking to you. Fusion Students, I'm talking to you. If you're a parent, a foster parent, an adoptive parent, a step parent, a grandparent, man, I'm talking to you. If you sitting in this room and you think, I, you know, I don't have any family here and you love Jesus, we want you to know we are your family. We're your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we, this message is for you. Now, I wanna also say, if you're here because somebody that you think might be a little bit crazy drug you to church, and you're going, man, that guy's not tall. And, and, and so they drug you to church, and you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, I want to tell you, Man, I am glad, and all of us are glad you're here. We love you, we want the best for you. And I'm also gonna apologize, because we as Jesus lovers, man, we screw this up all the time. It's one of the reasons we love Jesus so much, is he is so loving and graceful. As a family pastor, I think we can do this, I really do. And uh, so here's, here's what I want, here's what I want every kid and every teenager to know is I want them to know Jesus. And I also want them to know that Jesus loves them. And I want to know they were created by a loving God for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring God glory and show a broken and hurting world that there is a God that loves them, that there's hope, joy, and peace in the name of Jesus. I want every kid and student to know that. Now, parents, I want you to know this. Like I said, godparents, grandparents, foster parents, single parents, all of you, I want you to know this. We, the church, cannot be the primary discipler of your children. You have to be. You have to be. You're with them so much more. But here's what I want you to know. We have your back. And we're going to work really hard to surround every kid and every student with a small group leader that loves them and legitimately cares who they grow into. So... How do we do this? How do we become the greatest families, make the biggest impact for the kingdom? We gotta go to what Jesus said. So let's go to the answer of this. They ask Jesus, who's the greatest? Jesus calls a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, I'm gonna stop right here, the word's yellow, that means it's important. Converted, so converted literally means to change from something to something else. I love Pastor Phil, and I'm so excited that I get to say this. I too went to bed a cop and woke up 
a pastor. So I converted, you guys have heard it, I converted from cop to pastor over there. I used to be single. And then one day I converted to being married. Amen. I got an awesome wife. And so we were dinks. Dual income, no kids. Hey, if you're married and don't have kids yet, sit in that for a second. It is amazing. <laughs> we, we wish we would have known how amazing that time was. So then one day we convert to parents. Like, we were not parents, and then we convert to parents. And just in our personal story, like, we converted to the parents of four in only 40 months. Yeah, ooh, do the math. The last two were a matching pair. Um, they're identical. And so that may actually be what helped me convert to family pastor, but that's another point. <laughs> and so let's keep going here in the scripture. No, you know what, actually I do want to pause, but I want to talk about a not converted. So when I was at a large SEC school in this state, I took a class called statistics. Anybody in here ever take college statistics? All right, hardest class I ever took. So I get a book, I get a really smart professor. I'm reading the book, I'm listening to the professor, I'm writing notes, and I have no idea what's happening. I see some head nodding. You took statistics, I see it. And I'm doing it, and I managed to pass all the tests. Like I got a passing grade in the class. I learned some, I regurgitated a little bit, but I, by no means was I converted to a statistician. I was simply a guy going, huh, what? Okay, and regurgitate the test. Now, Jesus is pointing this out, friends, because I want you to see, unless we are converted, unless we go from non-believer to believer, unless we go from lost to found, unless we go from I'm not sure to man, Jesus is the sinless son of God, it doesn't matter how good or how hard we work, we're not there. So this is the first part, converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Imagine for just a second, you're Peter, James, or John. You've walked away from your life, your family thinks you're crazy, uh, you gave up your career, and uh, you're like, man, hey, Who's the best? And all of a sudden, Jesus grabs, imagine one of these kids that was singing up here, walks him up in front of you and goes, you know that would have been challenging. You know that would have been like, what? That kid didn't give up his boat? <laughs> so I set this scripture up to tell you, here's what I want you guys to know today. I want you to know that childlike faith is full of humility and trust and it's also a lot of fun. Now, I think if we're gonna pursue the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, the greatest families, the greatest church body, the greatest our personal lives, we've gotta understand this childlike faith, full of humility, trust, but it's also a lot of fun. I do wanna stop for a second. Um, those of you guys that I'm friends with, I'm pretty optimistic, I'm pretty upbeat and excited all the time. I wanna land on this fun part for a second because I got some friends in this church body that are going through horrific things. I mean, I wouldn't wish the things these families are going through on my worst enemy. I just wouldn't. And so I don't want us to mistake this fun, meaning just all the time we'll be happy-go-lucky. I don't mean that at all, but when I think about this fun, I think about the Apostle Paul in prison. So he gets beat up for loving Jesus, gets put in prison, what's he do? He sings, ooh, I mean, he's in there worshiping in the night. So how we pursue this 
can make whatever situation we're in so much more fun than if we're not chasing childlike faith. Now, I'm gonna tell you that it's not just the one place in the Bible. So in Mark 10, 15, Jesus is saying, assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And I wanna just like explain this for a second. When I say childlike faith, I am not talking about childish faith. I'm talking about childlike faith. And here's, I wanna give you a mental image. The kids up here singing, Jesus loves me. Do you see the joy, the excitement? They all look kinda of different. They were all doing a different thing. But man, that is childlike faith. When we talk about childish faith, you ever seen a kid throw an absolute temper tantrum, like maybe in a store? Like the So whereas, whereas going back, whereas, Childish faith is not full of humility. It's full of pride. It's full of arrogance. It's full of it's all about me. It's not full of trust. I don't think what you've got is best for me. And it's also not any fun. You don't ever see a kid throwing a fit going, man, this is enjoyable. So you don't. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about getting childlike faith. I wanna tell you this. All of us can grow in it. So you guys ready to, like any good sermon, I'm gonna do three steps to childlike faith. You guys ready? Say, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Step one, ask more questions. You may be the smartest person in this room. I'm trying to look around and figure out who that is because I know it's not the guy on the stage. (laughs) You may be the smartest person in this room, but let me tell you what, if you're here, it's because God's not done with you. There is potential left in you that has not been brought out or has not been developed. And asking questions is going to be the way to get to that. This is something kids are so good at. I remember one time I'm teaching, like in our kids' auditorium, a couple hundred kids, man, I'm doing my hand talk, I'm teaching, preaching. This kid, about three rows back, is like, why did God allow Adam and Eve to be in the same garden as Satan if he knew they were gonna sin? Yeah, kids are not scared. Like, all of a sudden, my message was like, oh, well, let's talk about that. And so we, we go, adults will not do this. I'm not gonna see a single one of you go, oh, Jeremy, uh-uh, hold on. Let me ask you about this. Because as we grow up, all of a sudden, there's something inside of us where we start to worry more about what people think about us than what's really true about us. Yeah, so asking more questions. I wanna tell you, man, this, a couple months ago, I had this amazing opportunity. I went to China with one of our global partners. Um, he's 81 years old, a Vietnam veteran with two Purple Hearts. It was his 79th mission trip to China. Yeah, so, and then he's got me, like, what's up? <laughs> and so I, like, I sit down with him. One of my first conversations, I look at him and I go, hey, Woody, what's God teaching you recently? And he looks at me for a second. He goes, you know, Jeremy, my mentor and I, he's 81. What he said was so profound. He said, my mentor and I are helping me focus on who I am. We're looking more at being than doing. This was such a gold nugget of information, but I almost lost it. Because I'm like, how does an 81-year-old dude have a mentor? He explained that he's 85 and they met on a mission trip in China. And after spending 10 days with this guy, 81, man, he was so teachable and so humble that I'm like, man, we've gotta ask more questions. Let me back this up. 
Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples. Now, if you've been in the church world for a while, you know what this means. Disciple means learner. If you're new to the church thing, you may look at this and go, go therefore and make Jesus people. It's not what it means. It says, go and make learners. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Asking questions is vital. If I do the best job I can possibly do and you don't talk about it at all, by lunch, 85% of what I say is gone. It's gone. It's just direct instruction is the least effective way of learning. However, when we begin to have conversations, we begin to ask questions, we access other parts of the brain and we begin to learn in a way that we don't by just hearing somebody talk. So here's what I wanna do. This is gonna be fun. I want you to turn to the person you're sitting next to and I want you to ask them, what is the hardest part for you to believe about God? Now I know you're like, well, okay, I know only half of you are gonna talk, so here's how the rule goes. The younger person gets to ask, the older person has to answer. It's childlike faith, people, come on. Turn and talk. Pick one. What's the hardest thing for you to believe about God? All right, I'm gonna let you off the hook because some of you are like, I come to church to hear you talk, not to talk. Now, we believe in this so much. We surround every Journey Kid, every Fusion student with a small group leader. Journey Kids, Fusion students, they are there for you to ask hard questions too. That's why they're there and they love it. So ask hard questions, but we believe in this so much. As a family pastor, I've got a challenge for all of you that have a family. I, if, you're, if your kids are older than me, I'm still challenging you. If your kids are young, I'm gonna challenge you just as well. If you don't have blood family, I'm challenging you to find some Jesus family and do this. I challenge you to have at least one spiritual conversation a week. Now, I know from back in my days when I was a cop that people's biggest fear is often failure in front of their peers. Um, it's not injury, it's not even death, it's failure. And so I have seen and witnessed parents not wanting to engage because they're worried they're gonna screw something up. Let me tell you what, if you got the spirit of God in you, you got all that you need. So here's what, I wanna, here's what I wanna show you. We do this thing every week called the Journey Today Show. It's on YouTube, it's accessible on our webpage, and it is, well, we talked about competitive. There's generally some kind of crazy competition. There's some form of shenanigans, and it's all framed around giving families an opportunity to have conversations each week. We want it to be as easy as possible. Actually, I've got a clip of it, check this out. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna build our own donkeys <laughs> and race them. The winner becomes king, the loser bows down to the king. All right, let's do it. Make our own donkeys? Yeah.
I seriously have the greatest job and call in the world. No, this whole, the whole purpose is to give you easy tools to have conversations. Now, I've had some of our more uh, matured, like they don't have to work anymore people tell me, hey, that show's not just for kids, we love it. I had a, a couple weeks ago, I was walking through our kids' wing, I had a family stop me, and these are like big family Jesus-loving people, and they stopped, and they were like happy, sad, emotional, like waterworks stuff going on, and they told me that they've been watching it as a family, they've got four kids, and that they gathered around the table, and they had a legitimate faith question to the point where one of their four kids was like, I don't know that I can put my faith in Jesus. And mom and dad are like, <gasps> like what, why not? And then their, their child was able to tell them all of these very intelligent, like question needing answered reasons. And so mom and dad both gave me this big huge hug and they're like, thank you, we wouldn't have known. We just thought, man, we bring them to church every week. We thought they just all were on the same page as us. And so I, I just tell you, man, it is a resource that I challenge you. If you're not having a weekly faith conversation with your family, check it out. It's easy to use. Parents of teenagers, we're gonna, it's like goes a little different. Who's, who's a parent of a teenager? We're in this together. I got one. I got one. I've heard the statement that Statements arm and questions disarm. I'll say it again. Statements arm and questions disarm. As parents of teenagers, we have to work a little bit harder to have these conversations. We have to do some work and we have to build some trust. I was listening to a podcast last week on parenting teenagers because this stuff is scary and hard. And uh, the lady, very wise lady said the three most important words for the parent of a teenager are don't freak out. Amen. And she went on to say that like, as a parent, like we hear something or we see something from one of our teenagers, our, our reaction sometimes can be so emotionally driven that they're a very emotional being in those teenage years that we can shut down conversation before like it ever starts. So if you hear something from your teenager that makes you go like that, like don't do that. Just ask them more questions. Like, oh, why do you, why do you think that? Like, okay, can you help me understand why you think that a little bit more? So if you don't have kids in the house and you're not having this, I'm gonna ask you this question. Who's asking you hard questions? We had, we had Jesus' command to go make disciples. Who's asking you hard questions? Who are you asking hard questions? If you don't have an easy answer for those two questions right now, you have your first homework assignment. And Pastor Phil wanted me to let you know that tonight at 4.30 at the well, he's there and question and answer is part of that. So if you can't answer who's asking and who you're asking, I'm gonna invite you guys to go over there at 4.30. Now, let's get to step two. Celebrate with awe and wonder. Man, how good are kids at celebrating? The other week I was in the, the kids wing and I see the, the kid doing like the gumball prayer. Like, God, give me a blue one. He puts his quarter in and he turns it and sure enough, man, blue gumball rolling down and this kid is like, yeah! I didn't have the heart to tell him they all taste the same. <laughs> so going back to point one, ask more questions. I didn't, I made you guys talk. I'll ask my, does God answer gumball questions? Or uh, gumball prayers? Maybe, I think so. But man, if it does, doesn't that set up a wow, how big and amazing is our God? So celebrating with awe and wonder. You know what? I've heard this phrase and I believe it with my whole heart. People replicate what we celebrate. 
People replicate what we celebrate. And so I wanna do this, and I'm gonna do it, try to not get emotional when I do it. Last week we had VBS, and uh, so we had, uh, you know, crazy fun going on. Thursday night was all about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so I briefed our whole team, man, we're gonna share the gospel, we're gonna tell people who Jesus is, and we're gonna invite them to have like hard questions with us and see what they think about Jesus. And so one of our first grade small group leaders is a teacher, and she had a couple of new seventh graders that had been in her class come up and they were serving with her, brand new fusion students. And so they come up and they're like, hey, what should we do? And this first grade leader says, hey, Jeremy's sharing the gospel tonight, I wanna challenge you, go find a younger kid here and share your faith with them. And they did. And they brought it back to their small group leader and said, hey, we found this third grader, we shared our faith. They professed faith in Christ. And so the small group leader is like, you know, doing the responsible small group leader thing, goes and, and checks it out. And the small group leader is like, sure enough, this younger kid can tell exactly who Jesus is, is excitedly professing faith in Christ. So here's what I wanna do. Avery and Lucy, I don't know if you guys are in here this service, but thank you. I wanna celebrate the fact that at seventh grade, you're bold enough to share your faith and tell people who Jesus is. <laughs> So, that was hard. <laughs> so Hebrews 10.24 backs up this celebrate with awe and wonder. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Avery and Lucy, man, I'm celebrating you guys. We talked about what an SEC school that just faculty by Jesus lovers look like. We've got the people in this church to do it. Are we willing to do the work to get to see them do it? So, hmm. So here we go. Parents, I'm gonna ask you a hard question right now. What is it that we celebrate the most? We talked about people replicating what we celebrate. We see right here the author of Hebrews says that we should consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I'm gonna ask a hard question. Why do we celebrate a date of birth more than a spiritual rebirth? Mm, mm. Preaching to myself right now. Why do we celebrate home runs more than we celebrate baptisms? Man, we're born into a culture, we're operating, and a lot of us can't answer these questions because we don't really know. You know what, as a matter of fact, let, let's do something. Do I got a journey kit in here that can help me out? All right, so hold on, here's what I wanna know. What is your favorite thing about God? Somebody raise your hand and tell me, you gotta yell it loud. Okay, you gotta yell loud, I see you. Your favorite thing about God is how he sacrificed himself. Church, can we celebrate a little bit with that? Come on, so. All right, I just wanna, like for just a second to talk about this, like God loves us so much, he sent Jesus to die in our place. Uh, Paul writes a letter to the church in Rome in Romans four, seven, and eight. He quotes King David and he says this, how joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How joyful is the man the Lord will never charge with sin. My friends, if you ain't got any other reason to celebrate, that is a reason right there. All right, let's jump into step three. So remember, step one is we're gonna ask more questions. Step two 
is we're gonna celebrate with awe and wonder. Let's get to step three, right here. Run to get what he's offering. Yet another thing kids are better at than we are. I'm gonna tell an embarrassing story, mainly because he's in the room. So a couple weeks ago, we go to a, an Abundant Life offsite group. They invite us. We come hang out as a family. There's a big group of adults, big group of kids. They're swimming, playing. We're having a good time. I'm sitting talking with the adults, and my uh, eldest son comes walking through the group, and at this point in time, I hear him say something that I'm still mortified about. I hear him carrying his styrofoam plate go, I'm gonna get a fifth sloppy Joe. I, like, I feel the look of the people. And so, like, I don't want to freak out. Like, I don't want to, like, ah! And so I'm like. <laughs> My son's sitting there looking at me with his plate. Like, he doesn't understand. Like, we're at these people that love us house. They have lots of good food. And he's hungry. He's like. <laughs> so then he's, like, pointing at cookies. Like. Uh, you know what, actually, let's have some fun with this. Because last week at VBS, one of my most favorite things was like we caused nearly riots every night by giving the kids candy. And now how we gave the kids candy was part of the fun. So let's do this because I want to see if you guys um, are eager to run after stuff that's offered. Um, yeah, you never see Pastor Phil with a candy cannon. All right, who wants some candy? Which section? I don't have enough air for upper deck. You guys ready right here? You guys ready? Here we go. <laughs> now, what you see right there, you see the adults do this. <laughs> you see the kids like fill in their pockets. Man, I love this about kids. They will run to get whatever's offered. It's kind of like the question things. We as adults, all of a sudden we go like, like to have some of that, but I'm not. I want them to think I eat keto. <laughs> we know you probably eat taquito. <laughs> and so, as adults, we do this. Now, man, I'm guilty. I'm preaching to myself this morning. So, let's take a look at this. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they, that they may have it more abundantly. This is Jesus speaking. The sad thing about this is you, me, all of us in this room are running towards things right now with our life. Some of you, it may be workplace success. Some of you younger people, it may be a new phone or new video games. It may be I'm running towards a spouse that I haven't found yet. I don't care. All of us are running towards something. We were created to do it, and God knows it and uses it to bring us to him. But I want us to see there's an adversary, there's an enemy, there's somebody that wants to keep you from getting this abundant life. If you ask me, Jeremy, what is an abundant life? I'll tell you. To me, it's a life full of love of God, love of people, and making disciples. It's what we were created to do, and it brings absolutely the most fulfillment and joy. But this adversary... So I started thinking about what kind of tactics does he use. I said childlike faith, path to greatness. Childish faith, to me, is a path to theft. So we talked about asking questions as a part of childlike faith. The thief, once you have childish faith, 
He don't want you to ask any more questions. As a matter of fact, he's happy when you're arguing how right you are with people. And if you're arguing about how right you are with people on the internet, nobody's reading it anyway. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The opposite of asking questions and being humble and teachable is going, I know it. I know it better. And then it's worse when we argue with people just to show them how good we are. Come on, man. So then we talked about celebrating with awe and wonder. The opposite of that, the selfish faith, is not celebrating. It's being mad about what I don't have. It's being mad about what's not been given to me. It's being mad about what you have that I wish I had. Mm. We talked about running to get what he has for us. The selfish way is going, staying right here. I'm not going anymore. I got everything I need right here. I'm everybody I'm supposed to be right now. Friends, let me tell you what, you're not. I'm not. None of us are. Back in 2005, when I walked into church for the first time, I hadn't been there in 14 years. And if you would have ever told me, man, that I would be doing this and telling you guys this, I would have thought you were crazy. But the one thing that I've, I've always, and I'm committed to, and I'm gonna ask you guys to help me, I always wanna know, what more do you got, God? What more do you got, God? What more do you got, God? If you'd have told me six months ago I would be standing here sharing this message that God's put on my heart with you, I would not have believed you. But in six months, that last six months of chasing Jesus, he's like, man, people gotta know this. As families, we gotta come together. And I'm not talking just in your home, I'm talking about church family. We gotta be childlike. The world has to see us and go, I want what they have. Not, what's wrong with those people? So, mm, woo, all right. Rewind, here we go. We're going <laughs> to get more childlike faith. We're going to ask more questions. We're going to celebrate with awe and wonder. We're going to run to get what he's offering. If we do this, we'll be full of humility. We'll be full of trust. And I promise you, it's so much more fun. I've chased other things that aren't Christ and they lead like to just something for a moment and then they're gone. The thing I'm learning about running after Christ is man, it gets better with every step. In the hard times, Jesus is still Jesus. It's amazing. So I'm gonna slow her down for a second. I'm gonna ask you guys to do something. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I just want us to reflect for a a minute. I'm high energy and bounce all over the place, and so I'm just gonna slow it down a bit. And I'm gonna say, man, God loves you, and he's got great, great plans, great things for you. I'm just gonna ask if your eyes are closed. If you be brave enough to say, Jeremy, Man, I know that. I know Jesus loves me. But I need a more childlike faith. I need more humility and more trust. And man, I'm not embarrassed to say I need more fun. Would you do me a favor and raise your hands? I got mine up. Amen, man. Thank you, guys. Keep your eyes closed for me for a bit. I just want us to sit in this for a second. There's some of you 
in here that have I been talking, have maybe have asked the question, have I ever really accepted that first thing that he's offering? I talked about at the beginning, we gotta be converted. It's we don't earn our way to God. God gave us a way through Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through him. And so, I want everyone in here to know, no matter where you're at, man, God loves you. He sent Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life, and then died a sacrificial death, so that those that would believe He'd been risen from the dead, placed their faith in him as Lord and his Savior, would not have to die, but would have everlasting life. Man, if you be brave enough to say, Jeremy, you know, I'm not sure I've ever received that gift. I can't tell you that that's happened. I'm gonna just ask you to be brave. Would you put your hand up? I don't want anything from you. I just want to pray for you. Man, God's got something for you. He wants you to, to come towards him. The beautiful thing about God is as soon as we start moving towards him, as soon as we start going to him, he comes right to us, no matter where we're at. So my friends, wherever you're at in this, I wanna challenge you to ask hard questions. We're gonna have a, a team down here, people that wanna talk to you that would love for you to ask them questions. If you don't know Jesus, come ask them questions. Try to figure out why you don't. Like I said, we're not better. Man, it's we want you to have the love and the grace that we experience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, you are amazing. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for everything that you do. We thank you that you created us with a purpose. Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised today that God, you would help us to come to you. We celebrate the fact that as soon as we do, you're right there with us. God, help us to ask more questions God, grow us into who you created us to be for your glory. And God, we thank you for the joy that you give us when you do. It's in the precious loving name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Hey guys, I hope you have a wonderful, amazing day. Thank you for being here. God bless you all.